0: It took six years to grow an Instagram account to uh, 15 million followers for House of Highlights. ESPN, TikTok, I think when I joined was around 1.82 million. Um, So it's been 15 months and now we're at 15.4 million. So the growth on that app is amazing.
1: Hey everybody, and welcome to a new episode of the CUSP Show, the Columbia University Sports Podcast, where we talk about the business of sports. I am Tom Richardson. And I'm joined today again with my co-host, Joe Favorito. We're doing, we're still doing these on Zoom. So I can see Joe, but I'm not in the same room. And Joe, um, hello. Um, It occurred to me today to ask you this question. When do you think we'll be able to do a podcast in person?
2: So it's funny. I was just thinking about that because I was actually at Columbia this week. Um, I would say we will hear the sirens again sometime after Labor Day. Okay.
1: Labor Day. All right. Well, yeah, we're both scheduled to teach, I believe, in in September. Yep. I know the classes are supposed to be in person. So I'm really looking forward to getting back. Yep. But I have to say these Zoom, these Zoom pods aren't too bad. They're yep. kind of fun. Yep. And we've had some really good guests. And we got we've another great today. guest. Today. Oh, yeah. And it's a really timely discussion because Joe, as every all the listeners know, Joe and I are pretty into social media as it relates to sports and sports business. And um, we're particularly, we've been particularly focused on how it's been evolving through the years since we've started this back in, what was it Joe, 2015, late 15, I believe we started this. And we think about the changes we've witnessed just in the last six years, it's kind of stunning. And now, yeah, yeah. (laughs) and six weeks, certainly with what's happening with the news technology. But, but also this issue of like what we're on the verge of seeing in terms of changes and evolution uh, as we move on through 2021 and move into 2022 with all the new blockchain technology and stuff like that. And one of the key tenets of a lot of these discussions around media evolution has been about the atomization of media and this idea of essentially new forms of media being created in the digital age as it's progressed especially as it relates to short form video. Mm-hmm. And the influence has been more profound than I think anybody would have predicted 10 years ago. The un- unintended consequences have been more significant than any would have, anybody would have predicted. It's a fascinating topic. It's one that we've covered many times. Obviously we talk about it in my class. And I am beyond thrilled about being able to talk about it today with um, one of the key business people, executives in the evolution of digital media. Pioneer. How about a pioneer? Kind of a legend in our own minds. Uh, Maybe, maybe his too, but he's, he's, he's well-known in the business. Um, primarily because of of a property that he created from scratch. And we're going to hear that story today. We're excited to hear the, the origin story. Um, a property that became one of the best known digital media products of the 2010s. And that was house of highlights. So we are pleased to welcome to The Cusp Show, Omar Raja, many of you know the name, certainly you know him from social media. Omar, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for, for having me and hyping me up. I, f-
0: I feel really good right now.
2: <laughs> so, great, great. Hey, now, be- before we get to this, I have one really funny story to show okay. you know, kind of the, the pantheon that Omar exists in. So three, I think it was three years ago, I uh, was one of the high school classes we had and there was a breakfast. And we had brought in David Stern and other speakers and all these high school kids wanted to do when they heard that Omar was speaking at this thing, they ran to him like something I've never seen before in my life. And it was great to see, you know, we talk about how things resonate, but the resonance of what what was created by House of Highlights, it was right before he had left, uh, right before he had left Bleach Report to go to ESPN. But um, it was really impressive to see that because they were interested in the here and now and the media that they consumed. And that's kind of what Omar's created to his credit. Absolutely. I think this idea
1: of younger people and Joe, we've talked about this a lot and certainly we've, we've witnessed this uh, younger pe- people being more, having it be more easy for younger people to relate to the young creators. Both, yeah. I, I think in terms of attitude, philosophy, fearlessness, etc., and they see more potential in excitement around what I'd call the, the disrupted media economy than the old media economy, which is one reason why Omar has done well for himself. And by the way, he did something kind of important that I neglected to mention, which is he uh, will hear his story in a second, but he is working for ESPN right now yeah. uh, doing digital and social media commentary. So Omar, enough of us talking. What's let's, going on? Let's start with I know you've told it a million times, yeah. but I think it, it bears repeating, particularly for the, the people that may be meeting you for the first time. You started House of Highlights from college when you're 20 yeah. years old. Tell tell that story because it's it's such a good one. Yeah, the story kind of even starts
0: before that. You know, when I was 13, 14 years old, I, I came across YouTube. And I wanted to be a YouTuber. I saw some of, my, some of the people that looked like me. They were my same age. They were playing video games. Call of Duty was that biggest game then it still is now. And I wanted to be this video game commentator. And I was young and I, and I learned a little bit. Um, and it was so inspiring, though, you know, even though I never made it it was just inspiring to see people my age and still to this day now, I think it's 13 years later, still be doing YouTube videos, still have a massive audience and still be very, very relatable. So um, when YouTube um, kind of, when the YouTube thing didn't really work out, I I didn't, I didn't go down. I wasn't, I wasn't sad. I was like, okay, I'm going to learn from this. Let me see. I've seen a little bit of how people grow their audience, how people create content, what people find interesting. You kind of learn the, you know, how people behave and what people kind of are attracted to. So, you know, when Instagram came around in in 2012, 2013, it reminded me uh, of YouTube um, just because it it was such a young platform. Like people my age were obsessed with it while um, older folks like my parents didn't know what Instagram was and they had no interest in joining. It's changed a little bit now, but back then it was just kind of this thing for high school and and college kids. And I was like, man, I, I feel like there's something here. Um, So the first account I actually started was an account called Sports Posters, which was just photo edits. Um, Think about your iPhone wallpaper. For me, I was a huge Miami Heat fan, still am, and I wanted to have Dwayne Wade and LeBron James as my iPhone wallpaper. So I would literally make those edits um, on Photoshop, and I just posted them as a passion. I was like, okay, I think this will be interesting to people, but I also enjoy doing it. And slowly but surely, within a year, that account went from zero followers to 235,000. I'm like, that's great. This is amazing. This thing is working. And what's so funny is people don't know, realize this. When I opened an Instagram account in 2013, there wasn't video. Instagram wasn't a video platform right. at that point. It was just photos and it was just square photos and there wasn't much change. It's it's so interesting now to see how big of a pivot it's been and now it's all kind of full video. But you know, I think the big turning moment for me was as a fan, um, when LeBron left the Heat, I was depressed. You know, for me, that was like the best years of my life. I always knew that we kind of had the Michael Jordan of my era. And and we, you know, for me, I was like, we were never going to see the best player in the, in the whole league play for our team. And I was I was just so bummed out. And there was a week of, I'm not joking, a week of waking up every day and kind of having that, Ugh, I can't believe he's gone. But, you know, talking to my friends at that time, we were all trying to relive these moments Um, and it wasn't like the LeBron dunk. It wasn't like the sick LeBron pass or the LeBron dunk. It was Mario Chalmers and LeBron, you know, yelling at each other on the bench or Eric Spolster making like a funny face after Dwayne Wade throws Mike Bibby's shoe. Like those to me were the moments that mattered. And those were the moments that me and my friends would joke about. So I went on YouTube, I would search some of these highlights. I'm trying to find them. And I just can't, you know, even then Vine was big trying to find them on Vine. I can't. And I'm like, you know, there's, there's gotta be a way, like there's gotta be somebody that's doing this. And I I really looked for a little bit and I couldn't find anybody. So I said, let me try doing this myself. And, you know, what was so interesting is I had the experience with growing that sports uh, page um, from zero to 235,000. I think house of highlights reached 200,000 followers in like two and a half months. So I was like, oh my God, this is crazy. I mean, this is something crazy going on and you know the page the page really blew up I mean it it was August of 2014 July of 2014 when it's when it was started and um you know uh within a year I think we got a million followers and at that point what was cool to me is my heroes uh LeBron and D-Wade had both followed the page so I'm like I made it I couldn't believe it I remember calling my dad like I remember Snoop Dogg followed and I was like dad do you know who Snoop Dogg is and he's like yeah, man, I know who Snoop Dogg is. So it was, it was a, a really cool moment.
1: Um, Wait, you know, Omar, yeah. let, me, let me interrupt quickly because you, you, you skipped over a key yeah. point there. You talked about looking for the highlights that you couldn't find and you decided to do them yourself. So talk about that because one of the interesting things in the industry at the time that older, probably older executives were discussing was this idea of making highlights shareable like yeah. whether they should be given out for free, whether they should yeah. be free and easy to find and use for creators. You figured out a way to jump in without, I believe, getting in any legal trouble. So talk, talk about what you decided to do to, to actually create these highlights.
0: Yeah. You know, one of the things I saw early was okay, the MLB and the NFL, they do not like when you rip their highlights. Do not right. do it. And <laughs> it, it doesn't matter if, like, I'm rec- like a lot of this. Was me recording the darn highlights on my phone. You know, I didn't have this HD, you know, digital converter that I could throw it on my laptop. And um, I, sometimes I would even try to like be a Stuart Scott and commentate over the highlights and and do all that types of stuff. But um, no, it, you know, I, I got very lucky, and I think the NBA still to this day is is very kind of loves that people distribute their highlights. Um, they view it as you know highlights are marketing. You know, highlights make your sport a lot more interesting. And I think right now, too, when you, when you think about how, like, um, in 08, 09, I wanted to be this video gamer. I wasn't even watching sports as much as I used to. and I'm, Not that I wasn't a sports fan, but I would have really wanted a house of highlights those years where, like, I was kind of all in on gaming and I wanted to keep in t- uh, 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 keep track of what's going on in the NBA with, with like, a house of highlights then. So, um, you know, I, I tell people kind of debate whether it's worth it as, as for leagues, but for me, I'm like, you're trying to t- touch a younger audience where um, they might not be fully interested in sports and it's marketing for them of like, you start seeing LeBron and LaMelo and Zion, et cetera, et cetera, every day, it's going to make you want to watch a game eventually. So um, it, it was super interesting and the NBA was great about that. The one thing I do want to say is I want to say two to three years ago, 2018, is when everything pivoted because all the other leagues, and I mean, every like, there w- it was really just the NBA that was cool with, with the highlights being shared. I'm not joking. I don't know what happened in 2018, but every league was now like DMing their highlights to me and saying, post it. Like, will you post this? Do you think this is funny? Tag us. I mean, MLB, NFL, everybody. That's because they
1: started looking at the ratings (laughs) for the younger demographic. I think. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So so I think, you know, it was cool to see that pivot because I used to be terrified of doing NFL. And, you know, four years later, it's like, Hey, fair game with, with NFL stuff. Wow.
1: That's really interesting. Yeah. So, so that was around 18. Yeah. So when you, when tell the story of, of how you, you, you went from being an indie creator to being part of a large media company, Bleacher Report.
0: Yeah. Within, within about a year, I, I caught the attention of Bleacher Report. Shout out to to Doug Bernstein, who who was the VP of social at the time. And he reached out, we we, we got on a, an email and we started talk, talking. I think a lot of people ask like, what, what, what made me sell? I think the big thing was I needed rights. And I think I saw the opportunity of like, if you wanted to build this thing out and and really be successful, you know, you want to be a league partner and and Bleacher Report was going to just be that, you know? Um, So the conversation went well. I mean, I was a fan of Bleacher Report, Uh, you know, I I thought they did a good job and they were starting to kind of do a little bit of the highlight curating a little bit. Um, And I think one thing I really liked about them at the time was they used to do a lot of those like NBA edits of like LeBron's, you know, on fire. And they literally, you know, put him on fire as he starts, you know, making a bunch of threes. And I was like, that's, that's clever. And that's, that's going somewhere. So, um, I, I liked it and, and, you know, it was pretty easy within six months of after, uh, talking to them, January 1st, 2016, I was on board with, with Bleacher Report and, and, Tur- and Turner Sports, you know, the Turner connection helped a lot.
1: Yeah. So did, did your, day-to-day-to-day job change a lot or did you, did they just say hey omar keep doing what you're doing because it's really working yeah you?
0: you know credit to them i was still in college when they hired me so there wasn't it wasn't like i could change too much it wasn't like i could move to new york overnight i still was at uh i was in orlando ucf at the time i started house of highlights when i was 20 so i wanted i had to still finish my parents were, were not gonna let me just drop out of school and, and uh uh and and um and and not uh they weren't gonna let me drop out of school and not get my degree, you know? Right. So I had to get it. And, you know, that first six months was literally them leaving me alone. They're like, they, they knew I had classes. They, they were just really happy about the growth. I mean, they were like, Omar, do your thing, super hands off. And honestly, for that first year, 2016, very little feedback and like saying, hey, don't do this, don't do that. It was very much like, do your thing, we trust you. And I, I don't remember the exact growth that year, but I imagine it was in the four or five millions by the end of 2016, especially with um, how amazing that 2016 NBA season was.
1: So, Joe, let me just, if you don't mind, one quick follow up to that. Obviously, those first couple of years was kind of a passion project for you. Yeah. Once you sold, it turned into a business, even though you still were passionate about it. Mm-hmm. Did, did you, at a certain point, get pushed into the world of analytics? and strategy more than you had ever thought about previously as an individual creator
0: no you know ultimately
1: you got to look at all these numbers as you well know absolutely. and figure out what's working what's not working and uh have that inform your decisions about what you're going to do more of or less of etc one thousand percent
0: and i would actually argue that i i probably looked at analytics from the jump um there wasn't as much instagram analytics But I think, you know, people ask, what was my strategy about, like, what's good enough to post? Like, how do you know what, you know, what is the bar for a post? And I was like, well, if I post this LeBron James dunk, it's going to get 800 likes on average in about two, three minutes. And I'm like, well, if I post something in someone's backyard and it gets 100 likes in two, three minutes, I know that's not good. So I needed to kind of get close it doesn't have to be 800 in, in two to three minutes but I wanted to have six seven hundred and you know I looked at I looked at all the the analytics there's crowd tangle which is like Facebook's thing to, to keep you track on you know video views and engagement rate and, and all that type of stuff so I was always knee-deep in, in analytics
2: Omar talk a little bit about the journey in terms of the bumps that you hit yeah. and the the unforeseen things like I would have never thought that this would have happened and how you overcome some, overcame some of the challenges. Yeah, I think, you know,
0: even before that was, you know, when in 2015, you know, House of Highlights is going great. I'm super happy talking to Bleacher Report at the time. And one day on a Sunday, October 18, 2015, I'll never forget the day. I'm at the mall, I'm in the Microsoft store. And as I'm going into the mall, I've noticed that my phone like isn't connected to the internet. I'm like, I guess it's just the mall. But I go to this Microsoft store, I turn on the Wi-Fi click my email and I'm getting logged out of all my email accounts. I'm freaking out. I'm like, this is over. I'm done. I can't believe it. I click Instagram. How I can't log into House of Highlights. I can't log into my other account. And I thought, you know, my career in sports was done. <laughs> I was super sad. You know, back then, five years, six years ago, damn, um, there wasn't like a, a, a way to reach Instagram. You know, the normal person couldn't reach out to them. There wasn't like these forums to recover a hacked account. And, you know, the, the way it worked was there's something called SIM swapping in, in, in the world, which is just like, uh, you know, a hacker will contact, you know, uh, you know, let's just say you're with Verizon, they'll call Verizon and say, hey, I'm Omar Raja, my SIM card broke, I need to swap it out. And, you know, you just need to get one person to bite and change your SIM card. And what he was able to do is now that the SIM card changed, he impersonated me, um, he could reset all of my passwords because when you reset your password, it sends a code to your phone. So, um, that was the biggest obstacle obstacle. I remember when I, when I was going to UCF, they, we had like a water fountain and I, I went to the water fountain. And I remember I was just sad. Like my head was down and, uh, uh, I was like, man, it's over. I can't believe it. So that was the biggest obstacle, you know, shout out to, to the folks at Bleacher Report. They got me connected. Um, I, I did so many darn emails. I did so many different things. And, uh, on Halloween day, I, I got it back.
2: Cool. Um, We'll talk about kind of the transition to ESPN and what you're doing now, but do you ever separate now, especially that you've been doing it so long, the fan from the professional and how do you do that?
0: Yeah. I think one thing that we talked a little bit about analytics, you know, I'm not going to like every single post that I put up personally. Like, and that's not a bad thing. You know, I don't love every, like, you know, we did, I think House of Highlights, I did 20,000 posts, 25,000 posts, you know, maybe more than that. You know, Sports Center probably done, you know, five, 10,000. It's not like you're going to like every single post. The thing is, I knew the audience did. And at the end of the day, the audience is going to decide whether something is good or not. I'm not going to decide. I'm going to have a gut for it with just experience and, and having an understanding of all this stuff. But I think the fan, Omar, would just like, you know, NBA highlights all day, every day. But knowing the audience, you know, people are interested in user-generated content. People are super interested in uh, UFC, which I've become a big fan of this year. People are interested in, in uh, you know, Joe, the J- Jake Paul fight. So there's yeah, a let's lot- talk about that too. Yeah, there, there's so much that has, um, yeah. ha- has changed. And I think, um, you know, you have to understand what the fan wants. And at the end of the day, you are serving the fan and they decide what's good or not, not you.
1: Cool. Omar's, you got deeper into the broader sports world beyond the NBA, because you started with that success yeah. with the NBA, which was more liberal uh, about use of highlights by individual creators. Have you seen any pattern develop over the last four or five years about which sports kind of work better?
0: Yeah.
1: In this world, this what I call the highlights industrial complex. Like what, 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 what is working? Because you get a sense like. The NBA is so masterful in creating moments, partly because of the nature of basketball. But it feels like they've captured some of the magic of this highlights culture that other sports have had some trouble with. You thought about that? Yeah. You know what? You know, the
0: sport that actually is the most interesting right now. And I'm not saying this just because I joined ESPN even before I kind of knew was the UFC. Mm -hmm. Um, The stars are there. Um, The interest is there. Um, The only thing is, is it's just not every day, so people don't know. But when an event is going on, even when we had Masvidal versus Usman and that knockout happened, I mean, those were the best numbers we've had in months when that happened. And we didn't even post the actual knockout. We just posted the reaction to it after. So I think the UFC, another thing is the UFC and the NBA are very international. Um, people don't realize, like, when you look at some of these highlights, um, you know, imagine how much of that interest is coming from, you know, people overseas, it might be 40, 50%, you know, it depends on, you know, the highlight, it depends on a lot of things, the account, the brand, whatever, whatever, but the amount of interest is is massive overseas, um, and people need to remember, hey, we're, we're, you're not just, when you're posting, you're not just posting to Americans, you're posting to everybody, literally the entire world, and and uh, yeah, I think the UFC is super interesting just because of star power. Um, obviously, people love knockouts, but also uh, people kind of like the—I don't know if the, the right word isn't circus—but just the uh, you know the trash talk and the press conferences and all that all that stuff. And, and Dana White is
1: super famous himself. People love Dana. Well, yeah, and he he engages very very yeah. uh, deeply on social media as as yeah. we know. Um, yeah. Joe, quick follow up on that point. Now that we're speaking to someone from ESPN. Have you guys noticed something that I've been noticing and I haven't able to, I I haven't actually asked any ESPN people about this. I've noticed Omar that when they show, when let's say sports center on TV shows uh, UFC match highlights, Mm -hmm. they don't usually show the last five or 10 seconds. Let's say in a knockout, they go to still images. Have you guys noticed that? And and I always wonder what that deal is, because with every other sport, if there's a key ending of the game, a walk-off yeah. home run, um, you know, a buzzer beater in basketball, that's obviously the highlight we all want to see. But in UFC, right. I, I always, as a viewer, feel frustrated that like, wait a second, you just showed me the first couple of rounds highlights, right. which were cool, but why are you not showing me the final part? Yeah, I, I think that has partly to do with pay-per-view. Um, yeah. It depends, you know, boxing,
0: Boxing has been pretty good about like knockouts and, and stuff like that. Top rank is great. Uh the zone's great. Even Showtime is great. They'll, they'll all show. It. I think with UFC, um, there's there's enough there to work with it. I understand your frustration. Usually what we do is we wait two weeks um, yes. before we talk before we do um show you the, the the knockout that happened. So we're already planning when when you know it's gonna be two weeks from the the Usman fight, I think tomorrow. Um we're going to have, you know, Kamara Usman's best moments and we're going to lead with, with that knockout. So it, it's only something that's a little temporary. And then, you know, after about 10 days, 14 days, we'll kind of be showcasing all that.
1: Without belaboring this point, is there a specific reason why 10 to 14 days is required? Is it just a legal thing? Uh, I don't know the the right situation. I think yeah, I think it's more of like
0: a right situation. I don't know exactly. Okay, okay. I, 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 I yeah, I, I won't think it. I think you know I think it's like a pay per view thing, and there's you know it depends. Like I said, it kind of depends on each league. You know, boxing is sometimes very lenient with it, um, for the most part. You know, in other MMA. I was going to say I
1: think it. I mean, I, I mean, I watch a lot of highlight sports stuff, like most people do, and mm. I and it's really the only sport I think that has this policy of not mm. showing kind of the
2: key video mm. highlight. It depends. It depends on if the event is still going on. Like you'll see, I mean, the rights holders are very strict. U.S. Open, Masters, they will not show if you go to, so let's say the Masters, perfect example is last round of the Masters is still going on uh, and you go to watch Channel 4 in New York at six o'clock, they cannot show the highlights. They have to wait until it's over, whatever the, the rights window is put in. And uh, Omar's 100% right, having just gone through this with Triller Fight Club, is we we put out um, highlights that night that did not include the knockouts. And there was someone ringside who actually got the highlight out and, and it got cleared through ESPN. That was the guy who's joining us today. And um, and that was the one benefit of having somebody literally there with their own phone where someone could check in and say, can ESPN run this? And it ran. But that was a, a rare thing for pay-per-view that you're able to show that until the window is over because the resale which i didn't know the resale of pay-per-view or the continued sale of pay-per-view actually continues on in other parts of the world for at least 48 to 72 hours afterwards where people are still yeah, buying point. Okay, I, I didn't i didn't actually know I that no so, idea tom yeah a, I yeah because yeah, I'm, oh. I'm usually
1: referring to let's say a lot of these fights are on saturday night and i, and I often watch sports center on sunday mornings and i'm like oh uh, you know, they'll often lead because it's important to ESPN with the UFC result. And then they'll show the highlight and then finish off with a couple of still images. And I've scratched my head every time. Now, now I have a better yeah. idea of one. Joe, that,
0: that's a great point. I, I forgot. That is one of the reasons because I know the next day it airs at 6am London yeah. time and 9am. I had no idea yeah.
2: until they said yeah. the people at Fight TV said that they sell pay-per-views as much as 48 to 72 hours after the event happens. Wow. Joe, how are you guys handling it with the Triller stuff right now?
1: You got another big thing coming up and there was a viral oh, moment created yesterday, which I heard about first as a textual reference on Twitter. Then it's like, okay, I got to see this video of Jake knocking the hat off.
2: So so um, it's funny. Yeah. I sent an email to, to an Omar Matt, knows Nikisa Bedarian, uh last night and I'm like, you guys did something. He got in uh, and what Tom's talking about is. Jake Paul showing up at Logan Paul's press conference and, and going up to Mayweather and, and knocking his hat off and getting in his bubble. No one. And as a matter of fact, Conor McGregor was tweeting about it last yeah. night, which was Thursday night saying no one's been able to, to get in Mayweather's bubble. You let this YouTube guy get in his bubble and we're killing him last night, but they are, uh, and we could talk about this for a couple of minutes before we talk about ESPN, but, Uh, Omar and I were literally the only two people in Jake Paul's locker room after the fight and watched how these 25 year old somethings knew exactly what they were doing when they were doing it, what they were selling and the method to the badness is there. And there was no like, you know, Simon Cowell sitting there saying, oh, you know, go do this. These were these guys. And somebody reminded me, they said, it's almost like when LeBron brought his guys along and they mm-hmm. all knew their role. They played their role. But to sit, the two of us literally sat there and watched how he went on Clubhouse for 20 minutes. He sold an yeah. NFT. Yeah. He, he went off and, you know, then we, we did what we had to do. But, I mean, it was interesting to see how this guy and his team have really kind of captured an audience and know their audience really well. And they played it. At, and yesterday, the one thing I will say about Thursday, and we are before the Canelo fight, which is this coming Saturday night. Um, there was an interesting comparison that Kendall Baker did in Axios this morning about the two levels of quote boxing, the spectacle of what happened in Miami with Mayweather and kind of the tradition at the exact same time with Canelo. And that's, that's the beauty of fighting is, you know, you've got the spectacle and the tradition, hopefully anyway. So thoughts on uh, Jake Paul and the Paul brothers, Omar, and and what they're doing.
0: Joe, Joe, I, I think, um, completely agree with what you what you said i mean there that jake put out a, a TikTok, which we should talk about it is yeah. um as a, that platform is one of the fastest growing platforms the amount of time people spend on there is crazy i think that's kind of the the, the future and where everything is going tick tock and youtube really but um jake knew what he was doing when he got to that stadium he, he made a TikTok even bef- before the whole altercation said i'm gonna grab floyd mayweather's hat and he knew the second he did that it was going to cause a ruckus and people were going to lose their minds and it was going to get views and it was going to get attention. You know, I think Jake is a master at, you know, just, he, he's a troll, but he knows exactly what he's doing. You know, he's not dumb. He's not like, he knows how to get attention on himself. He, he puts on the bad guy hat and he knows he's being the bad guy. Um, and it's, it's uh those two have been very smart, but you know, what's interesting is Logan, is is more of the nice guy for the most part and Jake has kind of went all in on on being the bad guy
2: yeah. so uh let's talk a little bit about uh before we get to the forward thinking and we could talk about NFTs and your thoughts on TikTok and Triller and all the other platforms but tell us about the transition from Bleacher Report to ESPN what that's been like and how your your role has changed
0: yeah, I, th- I think one of the big things was just, you know, from from thinking about MBA every day, it was like, oh, my God, we have this huge ca- uh, catalog of of rights in all these different sports. And the biggest learning process for me was how popular combat sports are. I mean, we talked about uh, a little bit about it before with UFC, but boxing is, is huge. People love knockouts. Um, people love uh, even moments of like where someone is showing restraint before they you know, after they've hit someone and they kind of seem woozy and and stopping and people always say oh respect to the to the boxer for stopping for for not going on and continuing hitting um and that and then the biggest one was also like the national championship with college football um people everything that i could do with nba i've actually been able to do with all the different sports um whether it's not just not just talking about the knockouts all the time I, i mean it's been interesting without sports and without fans i remember joe rogan was like everyone uh, put your hands together for the winner of the fight. And he's like, oh, I forgot there's no crowd. Like that moment itself gets 3 million views. And it's been really cool to see that formula kind of be used in all the other different leagues. And I think, you know, the, the best ones have probably been the UFC,
1: boxing, and uh, college football as well. And Omar, do you have to keep in mind, I, 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 think I, I think I know the answer to this, but you have to be mindful of the media relationships set your employer has, correct?
0: Yeah, I would say so. I will say this, it hasn't stopped me from doing anything yet. Like I'm never, I'm never like HOH was pretty positive. It's not like we were making these low blow jokes oftentimes. I think there hasn't been a moment where I've done something and you know, Dana White is calling like, what in the hell is this? So uh, definitely, but what's lucky for me is I'm not the one kind of making those types of jokes where I'm like, oh, snap, I got to be careful here, you know?
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. It's a bit, I mean, when you're looking at a new, like a, a matrix of all that you've done in social media, so you've got all these big platforms, you mentioned TikTok and, and this is yeah. a good chance to talk about that. So you look at a platform and then you think about all the different sports and then you prioritize those sports based on what's going to drive the most view, viewing for, for what you're doing and also what's going to serve the interests of, of your employer Mm-hmm. In terms of promoting those sports, it's kind of like a 3D chess game you got going on. Like, what yeah. did you wear? How much time are you and your team, and I'd love to know the size of your team, if you're able to, to yeah. tell us, are spending on just what I'd call strategy as opposed to execution? You know, it's interesting. So for me, I, I had
0: some folks that work with me at House of Highlights that joined me at ESPN. So it's, for me, my direct team is five of us. And then the larger ESPN social team, I want to say is about 40, 50. I, I don't know the exact number, right. but I think, uh, you know, everything is moving so fast that it's a lot of learning on the fly, you know, like with TikTok, it was a lot of like, we can't just sit there and look at the analytics. Like we just have to go in, mess up a bunch um, and, and figure it out on the fly. And I think for me, uh, I had two learning lessons. One was obviously with the main ESPN account, which um was the most followed brand account in 2020. I mean, it gained more followers than anybody, I believe. Maybe, no, it was the second most Netflix gained, I think about a hundred thousand followers more. But, um, so that was cool to see. But with TikTok, it wasn't that just you rip the highlight and you make a joke about it. You know, TikTok really likes nice editing. TikTok really likes user-generated content. So, you know, for each platform, your post your post might be completely different. You might post something that does great on Instagram and then you throw it on TikTok and it's like, no one really cares. So um, it's a lot of learning on the fly. For me, my first six months of, of being on TikTok, I was probably mediocre at best. And I think now I've kind of got a good handle of it. I, my personal accounts about 1.5 million, which is awesome to see. And then the the ESPN account right now is about 15.4 million. So it's, wow. it's really cool to see the, the success there and the growth. I mean, it took six years to grow an Instagram account to uh, 15 million followers for House of Highlights. ESPN, TikTok, I think when I joined was around 1.82 million. Um, it's so it's been 15 months and, and now we're at 15.4 million. So the growth on that app is amazing.
2: Cool. Um, can you talk about some of the, you know, we talked a little bit about Jake Paul, but some of the, the content creators that you think, especially around sports, are doing a good job that people may not know about? Yeah, there, there's a
0: lot of like NBA 2K um creators on YouTube. I think if you want to look for creators, the two spots are really YouTube and and TikTok. And I think the YouTube ones are, are the ones that are just bigger overall. Like you can be big on TikTok and then just really only be big on that platform. Well, what I've noticed is YouTubers that are really, uh, YouTubers that are big, come translate over to each platform. They'll have a decent Instagram following. They'll have a decent TikTok following. So there's a, there's a bunch of um, you know, YouTubers. One's called Flight Reacts. One's called Aiden Ross. Um, you know, one's uh, Kenny Beacham, who, who works at House of Highlights. Um, and these are all like NBA 2K creators, which they have a super young audience. People love them. Um, and you know, they can go to, Twi- you know, Aiden Ross is this kid who can go on Twitch right now and he can get 150,000 people to watch what he's doing um, mm-hmm. immediately. And um, it's so interesting to see that type of power and influence and, um, with, with these young creators.
2: How do, you, um, how do you view the gaming and the esports space in terms of migration into traditional sports followers? Are they two separate things? I'm holding a PlayStation 5 controller right here for a reason. Uh, uh,
0: I think, you know, esports is tricky. I think there is interest, but I think the bigger opportunity for audience expansion is just your traditional like laid back relatable gaming. Um, And what I mean by that is people love gravitating towards um, the person that they're like, oh, that reminds me of me or that, that person plays video games and he's cracking jokes and people love that. Or there's one guy named Dr. Disrespect, who's like this character, he puts on a wig, he's got this whole motto, and it's very, very funny and interesting to watch. And, um, you know, I, I think gaming is gonna be a monster. I mean, gaming is going nowhere. It's only gonna get bigger. Um, and if you look at the YouTube views, especially with, with what's going on with gaming content, um, the growth is exponential. It's not just like this linear thing, it's shooting up and uh, it's the future, man.
1: Cool. I know that ESPN's tried a few different forays into esports and video game in different Mm -hmm. forms. To the extent it doesn't need to be a a television experience, it's more obviously streaming kind of OTT experience. How does that translate into what you might do vis-a-vis espn social where where you conceivably have a whole universe of social activity that's not connected in any way really to the main product of the brand does that make sense
0: yeah yeah i mean it's it's uh i think you're right by the way like it's more of a streaming digital play um gaming and esports probably isn't like a linear play
1: Mm -hmm. um
0: that's just me guessing like i don't have the linear numbers but i'm My gut is is the same as yours, that it's mainly like a digital social play. I think what's been interesting, though, on social is Call of Duty Warzone is this huge game. Um, In the pandemic, there was no sports. So I was like very curious to kind of test the waters and see how are people going to react if we post this Call of Duty clip? And the way people reacted is that it's some of the most shared content we have. And, you know, Mm -hmm. especially on TikTok, the whole reaction wasn't like, why is ESPN posting video games? It was... Oh my God! Even ESPN knows about Warzone, and even ESPN like post Warzone, and yeah. all the comments were tags. And I think that was cool to see. Whereas like this good test to see like what's gonna happen here, and people were interested. And I think it also helps that every day, not every day, every week Anthony Davis on the Lakers is playing, uh, is streaming on Twitch playing Grand Theft Auto and Call of Duty. Dennis Schroeder, um, Paul George. Um, Donovan Mitchell, like all of these amazing players are, are constantly streaming now, which is going to be very interesting to see like 10 years from now, where the new generation comes in and I'm sure they're all huge gamers and, and seeing what that's going to look like.
1: Cool. I just wanted to add, uh, one, uh, more follow-up question on on ESPN stuff, uh, as it relates to the, the social agenda. I just heard that Twitter struck a deal with, I don't know if it was the IOC, Joe, or USOC, but I think it was IOC, to do some live stuff around the Olympics yeah. this mm-hmm. summer. Yeah. Um, in the case of a major event, such as the Olympics, which Disney slash ESPN has no business interest in. Yeah. Do, do you? Do, but you know, culturally, it's kind of a, a big it. deal, you have to cover yeah. it. So, so just, just like kind of walk us through how you, Building a strategy for, let's say, this summer for the Olympics in Japan, might think of it. So what it is is you can't cover, you can't post the
0: the moment something happens, but what you can control is the reaction to it. I mean, there's a chance that LeBron's going to be home watching on his TV and put up an Instagram story of him like, "Oh my God, can you see this swimming? You know, who Katie Ledecky is going off like." It's all about the reaction to it. I mean. I imagine, you know, we're kind of getting to this place where bars are opening as well. I mean, so many times with the NFL, what we used to do, especially during the playoffs on these miracle plays is, you know, there'd be fans in the bar and someone would be recording and everyone records the fan reactions in the bar and everyone's losing their minds. And I think that's something that we're going to have to kind of play into that world of recording reactions, getting the reactions of people and getting the reactions of different athletes and, and covering the, covering the Olympics that way, rather than like yeah, we don't have the the actual highlights, but um, you know, even then we do have Getty images, which um, oftentimes will have a memeable moment. Like Usain Bolt has that, like, you know, where he's smiling during the, the, the race and that's a meme. So we'll have the photos and then we'll cover the reaction of, of fans across cool. America and, and all the different countries.
2: Um, Omar, I have one more question before we get to our final two questions. Mm-hmm. Um, sports or or events that you have on your radar going forward, that are still kind of blue ocean that you can't believe that no one's grabbed um, um, this space yet, that, that you're watching, you're you're going to say in a year or two years, yeah. this is something everybody's going to be doing. Is there something that's on that list that we should be looking for? That's a that's a great, great question.
0: I think it's the tricky part is I think I normally would. If you asked me in 2019, I would just because all the events were open. My, my gut, though, is that you're going to have these not an esports thing, but there's going to be something in gaming and sports, which is going to be a crossover. I know there was a, a Fortnite event where it was like one versus 100. And I know athletes were a part of that. And it was a super big thing. And I think there's going to be more of that where athletes are going to try to become gamers in a way. And I'm curious to see, you know, what game is that going to be on? What's that going to look like? And, you know, what stadium is it, is it going to be at? Because it's going to, it's going to be at a stadium. The, fort, the Fortnite one was at a stadium. It was massive. It was super interesting. Um, And I think it's
1: gonna be something in that world. Cool. Joe, before we do our wrap up questions, we have to ask Uh about NFTs. So I'll frame, frame, Omar, I'll frame the question this way. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, And and we've been into this and and I'm particularly interested in this area as it relates to how this is gonna change digital media and is changing digital media. So what's really fascinating about, let's focus on NBA, which you are pretty expert at. The the whole concept of Top Shot is to take these moments, which are typically just short video highlights, dunks, assists, passes, uh, et cetera, and taking them out of this world of abundance on places like ESPN Social or TikTok, whatever, and putting them into a marketplace where because of some element of scarcity they've built into the system become Mm -hmm. valuable. Yeah. Uh, and, and there's monetary value associated in trading and gamification and all that. Give us your thoughts, share your thoughts about where this might go, because it seems like it's going it, to, it seems right now that it's going to grow yes. and be um, a parallel universe to the distribution, the free and easy distribution of, of regular highlights, let's call them yeah. on social media. So it's ironic because I, I follow NBA Top Shot Moments on Twitter. Yeah. And as you probably know, they're just sharing highlights. Yeah. In, you know, <laughs> which are the same things that are on the moments. Right, right. You know, so it, it's kind of meta in a way. <laughs> yeah,
0: it, it is super interesting. The analogy I, I give to myself and it, listen, I think it's growing. I don't think this is this fad that's just gonna go away tomorrow. Like trading cards have been a thing, you know, have been on the come up for years now, two, three years. And so, you know, I'm a gamer. I, I wasn't a gamer for a little bit, but I think the last couple of years I've become a gamer again. And you know, Fortnite is this free video game. Call of Duty Warzone is this free video game. And what I've seen is that I've caught myself buying skins for this gun that it's just for me. It's just for me to see. No one's going to care. You know, maybe my friends see it, but it's just something that I spent five, 10 bucks on. I mean, between this group, I mean, I once spent $200 in a a month on all the different skins of guns. And I was disappointed in myself, but at the same time, uh, I wasn't. So um, I think just because I I think about like, uh, oh, wow, like I've already kind of been doing this and people don't realize in different ways, you know, for you know, for some people, you know, the rims they have in their car, that's their, you know, a uh, way of showing off. I think for everybody, it's going to be their thing to brag about. And I think secretly as a society, there's been, you know, different ways that we've kind of had uh, done something similar to NFTs. And now it's now we're in this world. And I think it's it's going to get bigger that that one is going to be so interesting to see what it looks like in, in 10 years. You know, what, what is NFT Like how many different NFTs are there? I think with the NBA top shot, I, I would love them to do some like meme packs and, Um, do memes of like Mario Chalmers and LeBron, you know, looking at each other on the bench. And and that to me would be a a meme that I would personally want to buy and and have an NFT in.
2: Hey, look, I I always think back about, you know, Tom, Omar and and Taylor, who's our engineer today are, are way too young to think about this, but can you imagine like in the 90s or the 80s you went up to somebody and said you know there's going to be a store that's just going to sell phones and people are going to line up outside because you're going to buy a phone and people are looking at you like you're crazy So, yeah, yeah. You know, well no that and and that's the yeah. thing i mean you know the way it's been
1: framed vis-a-vis the rise of the collectibles market and, the, yes. and you know what's often called the collectibles economy is really fascinating that um Omar, I don't know if you got to see what Vasu from Courtside Ventures did, a kind of overview of the collectibles economy. I can, I can share it. Yeah. It's really interesting about how he bridged, bridged from the analog to the digital. So watches, sneakers, trading cards, and then kind of like describing in the digital age, particularly for young people, digital natives, where this is their, the the digital realm is their first realm in many ways. Like, yeah, it's harder for older people to understand, but it does kind of make sense. But to me, the most fascinating business um, aspect of this is how a league and and the NBA started it, took something that was in great abundance that that had limited monetization opportunities, which are highlights Mm -hmm. and created a marketplace that has now produced tens of millions of dollars of royalties based on the gross sales. Yeah. Yes. Uh, one thing I want to say is like,
0: you know, you know, you talked about uh, older folks might not, not ever understand NFTs. I mean, even for me, one of my big regrets, I could uh, regret is strong. I'm like, ah, you know, I should have gone into TikTok earlier, you know? Because when I first heard about it, I'm like, it's just this dancing thing. Like I get it, but I don't get it. Like, I don't want to go all in on this right now. Like Instagram's my thing. Uh, and I'm like, dude, That makes no sense because that's what you did with Instagram. Like not everyone was getting it. You went head first. I remember the thing with Instagram was like, wait, I don't get it. Cause with Facebook, you can post photos too. And this is just photos, you know? And, and I'm like, you know, that, that is something where like, don't be the one like too proud to, to get into something like, oh, that's dumb. You know, like the, especially when you see all the young folks get into it, you're like, oh, this is going to be big. Like that's usually the the start of a start of the sign of like, oh, this is going to be pretty massive.
1: Yeah, no, I I agree with you 100%, particularly, Tom, I do
2: have my 3D TV glasses still
1: downstairs. (laughs) Okay, good. So I was going to say, it's also it's also colliding with another major trend, which is, you know, decentralized finance and the rise of cryptocurrency. So it's just interesting how this is all coming together at the same time. And uh, I agree with you. I'm looking for my cues from the younger people I know, not the older people I know. Yeah, uh, with this stuff. Anyway, Joe, you want to wrap? Yeah, so uh,
2: our last two questions, which we ask everyone, are especially, and this is relative So kind of what you just said is, how do you stay up to date on everything that you need to know, especially as you kind of craft the path going forward? And then so many people listen to this are either getting jobs, we're doing this in spring of 2021, people looking hopefully to graduate now and figure out, and then a lot of people transitioning into other jobs. What advice do you give people? So How do you stay constant and what advice do you give people? Yeah, I think that for me, I'm lucky, you know, now I've kind of built a name for myself.
0: And so when I go home, uh, my parents are Muslim, I'm Muslim. So we go to a mosque and the kids all want a photo. And I'm like, that's great. Because what we're going to do is you're going to ask for, we're going to, I'm going to take this photo. And then I'm going to ask you like five questions about what are your favorite platforms? Who are your favorite influencers? Um, Do you watch the NBA? Do you watch the NFL? Like what's your favorite sport? So, you know, as Tom mentioned, like, look to young people, see what they're doing. Um, because, you know, sometimes we can be in, in our own bubble of friends and coworkers, And, you know, secretly, no one's really, you know, looking to see what's out there. And young folks have always kind of taught me, um, you know, who's out there, like, th- there's a there's a gaming clan called phase There's a gaming clan called 100 thieves. And like, I've learned all about all these folks because of, of young folks. And uh, even last week, I was Uh, in a call with the 100 Thieves people. And I'm like, this is crazy because I remember when, you know, a kid told me about you three years ago. Um, So it's cool to, you know, see that growth and and that type of stuff. Um, For the next question, I I would say passion. You know, uh, people, I I think caring a lot about what you do has gotten me really far. I think sometimes I've seen people that I have worked with, um, you know, in the past, really, Um, and and they, they're kind of just going in and they're like, whatever. And I, I think the people that I've always seen succeed, they have a passion. They really care about it when they wake up and they go to work, they are locked in. And I think the last part is patience. Um, I got very lucky, you know, 20 years old, um, started house of highlights. It really took off. I think some people really need to relax. And I think a good example I can give you is some of the biggest YouTube streamers. One that I talked about is Dr. Disrespect. He's one of the most viewed streamers. He's one of the biggest streamers. 10 years ago, when I was making my YouTube videos, I remember that same guy was making videos and they were bad. I mean, I didn't think they were interesting. He wasn't, he never built an audience really that was that interesting. And on his seventh year of streaming, he just one day blew up and it's just such a super interesting thing of like not giving up and just, being persistent, learning and learning. I think, uh, you know, when I started House of Highlights, I told all my friends to, to make an Instagram account and join in on the fun. And, you know, the first month, everyone had no problem doing it, but they, you know, by day 45, they were mad they didn't have a million followers. So they all gave up. And I'm like, you you probably regret that. There's no way you don't regret that. So uh, patience
2: and, uh, you know, just really caring about what you do. Cool, great. Really good answer. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, most importantly, the last thing before we go, uh, how do people, where should people be following you? Give us a kind of quick runoff of some of your accounts that people should be following.
0: Yeah, on, on Instagram, you can you can go to SportsCenter. Um, on TikTok, please check us out at ESPN. And also my personal account, uh, Omar, O-M-A-R, that easy. That's a good handle. That's, wow. a, good handle. That's four, a good handle. Four letters. That's, That's impressive. A, um, shout out to TikTok, man. They, they knew how to get me
1: in. <laughs> that was a cool. good move by them. Yeah. All right, well, Omar, uh, thank you so much for your time and insights and and congrats on all your success. It really is a great story. Very, uh, very inspirational
2: Uh, and and
1: very instructive too, I think to a lot of people in the world of media. Uh, mm-hmm. Too. So,
0: thank you. I appreciate that. My parents always wanted me to get my master's, even after all the houses, hi, House of Highlight success. So, is there any way I can get like an honorary de- degree at Columbia or anything like that? Let's
1: let's try to work on that next. Okay. How about this? This fall, you come visit us. So I will, if you, Joe. If we do the conference. Yeah. Um, Omar, and we'll get you one of those fake gown, you know, one of those gowns. <laughs> we'll give you, and Joe and I will give you an honorary degree from Columbia. How's that? We'll
2: actually, we'll actually go to a laser. We'll find some laser printer on campus right. and put it out for you. Or maybe we'll borrow it. Joe, we'll borrow, Joe, Joe, we'll borrow Scott's. He's got that one for the graduation that he uses. Yeah. We, what we can do is, we'll get a laser printer. We'll have somebody design it, and then we'll have our program post it so your parents can see it and, they there, were like, you right. and omar, there you, you go and omar you talk about a viral moment that might be one of the that most might be successful posts you ever made in your life it could see i'm not joking
0: so that's what's interesting about tiktok i don't talk about it so much but the content there is so unique and i could literally do i could grab my mic right here and do a story of how i always wanted to get like a
1: master's and how i got you know an honorary degree at columbia so i think I do oh think my god something there for real I, I, Joe, I'm, I'm picturing the, uh, the stage setting too, like being on the steps in front of the alma mater statue. That would be, that would be hysterical. Yep. All right, I like this idea. Here we go. Let's Plus the, the right. fact that we could actually do it in person, Joe, like yeah. per the beginning yeah, of like, the show. That sounds fun. Anyway, yeah. thank you, Omar Raja from ESPN and founder of Patsa Highlights for joining us today. An absolute pleasure to have you. We wish you continued success. Uh, also, thanks to Taylor behind the scenes for producing the show so well every week show always a pleasure always always fun to learn more and and meet meet some of the great uh, drivers of, of uh, forward progress in this business. Learning and curiosity Tom. that's what we do. All right. Well, thanks everybody for listening. We'll see you next time on the cusp show.